JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. What in the hell do you think you are doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get late. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, the thickest double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Minshew out of the gun. In motion right side is Michael Pittman Jr. Ball in the near hash. And Pittman is wide open on the near flat. He's at the five, diving for the pylon on the far sideline. Give it to him. No signal yet. There it is. Touchdown. Back in the throw is Carr. Has time. Checks it down over the middle. Caught by Kamara. He's at the 10. He's at the 5. And he jumps his way closer to the goal line. In fact, he's in. He got that ball across the plane. Minshew goes out of the gun. Moss stays in as the back. They give it to Moss. Trying to cram his way in the middle of that formation. Trying to stretch the ball across the goal line. No signal yet. And they signal a touchdown for Zach Moss. And Taysom Hill's back in. They snap it directly to him. Runs it off tackle right side. He's at the 10, angling for the pylon, and he's in. Derek Carr goes out of the gun. Three receivers left. He backs to throw. He plants. Looking, taking another shot downfield. He's got a man, and that's a catch. 10-5 touchdown. Offset eye. They give it to Kamara right up the gut. He's at the 10. He's at the 5, and he's in there. Touchdown. Alvin Kamara. It's Hill. As the quarterback, Saunders is his fullback. Saunders blocking left. Hill going that way. Spinning across the goal line. Touchdown for the Saints. Hits you out of the gun. Ball in the far hash. As a back to his left, that's Jonathan Taylor. Flushing out right side is Minshew. Minshew behind the line of scrimmage. Taking a shot for the end zone. Has a man. That's Andrew Ogletree. Did he make the catch? He did! He did! It covers 33 yards. Andrew Ogletree from Gardner Minshew. Yes, sir! Final score on the Ruoff Mortgage scoreboard. It's the Saints 38 and the Colts 27. Matt Taylor right there. The call in yesterday. Another huge disappointment. One win and nine games. You know, besides everything that has gone on, I think that's what stands out to me. 
Last year and now into this year, remember when you used to go to places if you were a Colts fan within the AFC South and it always felt like an easy mark? There was a point in time when that was prevalent. That was a prevalent thought. Or you look on the schedule and feel that that venue, regardless of this being a game on the road, is an easy mark. That, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly how people feel about Lucas Oil Stadium. And I will say this, and and it's interesting, I was just telling Jake this. Um, we did our pregame huddle show, not in Touchdown Town, but up in the press box, and we did it yesterday from the television auxiliary studio. So what happens is um, you can raise the windows on this. When you sit in the press box itself, uh, you can't raise the windows. You, you don't really hear what's going on. So for the first time, and in honestly, for the first time in covering a Colts game since the era of the RCA Dome where the press box was open air and you heard and you saw absolutely everything, I got to hear exactly in covering the game now i've been to games before and i can certainly hear the crowd but covering the game uh from my vantage point and others in that press box you you can't hear it and you could hear it yesterday honestly fan base is chomping the bit i don't blame you the fan base to me sounds exactly like we have talked about over and over on this show you are waiting for a reason And not just the Ogletree catch, for example, for a touchdown. Everybody got fired up on that, but you'd already felt it was a foregone conclusion that the Colts were going to lose. And unfortunately, that is a prevailing thought now every time you walk into that stadium if you're a Colts fan. What is going to happen today that is going to sidetrack winning? What is going to derail this game, and how are the Colts going to lose it? And they always end up finding a new way. Obviously, this week, you look at the secondary and as nightmarish as Daryl Baker Jr. of an afternoon last week he had against Cleveland. I think you upped the ante on the nightmare in that secondary for Tony Brown yesterday. I mean, something that he will never, ever want to talk about again. Don't blame him. But every time you walk in, you think about a new, sometimes not, but most of the time, new way to lose a game. And unfortunately, Lucas Oil Stadium has far become an easy mark. It's become an easy mark around the NFL where you go in here and you absolutely expect to win. Now, granted, last year with that in mind was an absolute circus. I mean, really for most of the season, maybe minus the first month of the year, but it was a circus. And this year, as I thought more and more about this, this year, to me, is just right now validating what a lot of us thought. And this is no pat on the back for me because I'll be the first to tell you, I I want to see teams around here at some point start doing well. Because it has been such a long time since they have. I mean, anybody has an extended period. It's been a long time. 
maybe here or there, or you bring up other sports and you go, well, hey, look about what about this soccer program? What about Carmel Swim program? I'm talking about either professional or collegially. It seems like forever since something substantial and something consistent has been put together. So when you get bits and pieces of it, you want to embrace it. You want to see how far you can take it. I always reference last year with the Pacers, where there were zero expectations. And then they gave you a reason in December to get excited about something. And you know what? That was long-lasting. Long-lasting to the end of the season, even in a campaign in which they didn't go to the postseason. There was nothing to write home about there. There was nothing thrilling there. It's just, hey, you know what? I kind of feel the future. And and what it really sucks about all of this right now, the Colts are three and five, and you're looking at another season to where you would have to make drastic, unbelievable amounts of headway to even sniff being competitive in your division again. But you also have to also think about, all right, one of the reasons why you kind of felt decent about this season, even if you didn't feel the Colts were going to win, is because of the growth, the maturation, and the quarterback situation. Felt good about that. Got to see that. Whatever happens, happens. And now you don't have that. You don't even have that to lean on. Seems like anytime you grasp something that is working, the next week is going to go away. Give you a great example of that. I have a promo that's running right now that talks about Shane Steichen. And again, I do believe Shane Steichen is going to be a good offensive coach. Don't get me wrong. I could be completely wrong myself on this. I just think this guy outsmarts himself. You know, we always use that term, believes he's smarter than everybody else in the room. We've always used that about Chris Ballard. And then we come to find out that maybe he's not. I think right now that's the case, too. Outsmarting yourself. Until proven otherwise. Until proven otherwise. And this is, again, I'm not being negative long-term on Shane Steichen because he also, as a head coach, has a lot to learn. I think everybody understands that. But because they won some games, because we sit here and talk about the schedule being soft, and because you just haven't seen it consistently in a while, or consistently to where it mattered. You can say, well, the year before last, you know how good things were leading up to Christmas night or past Christmas night, and things went down the tube. And that's what I'm saying. It doesn't last. Even going back to the river season, I you would take that right now, no matter what the circumstances, that regular season. You'd take it. Take it and run with it. Unfortunately, you make the postseason, and it is a quick in and then a quick exit. There's nothing sustainable. And that brings me to the point that I had, and I went back and watched, for whatever reason, I never do this. I went back this morning and watched the second half, and it occurred to me, this team is so much like what we thought, but you get caught up in a sense of believability 
with an organization that hasn't delivered in such a long time that you lose sight of that. Yeah, there's no excuses given here because we're going to rip on a lot of people and a lot of people deserve it. That's just the way that it is. But we ourselves get caught up because it has been so few and far between of things to be happy about, things to enjoy. And especially in terms of longevity, we kind of just jump on, we jump on the moment. We jump on the moment. And as I was watching that second half, I'm thinking, you know what? These guys may be the nicest dudes and they're just not a good team. They're not a good team. You know, a team that was really believable, a good team you could get behind and believe in that would have a little bit of season longevity in it wouldn't look like that at times. And I'm talking about both on the field and coaching-wise. Like, a lot of people want to point to Shane Steichen and say, well, it's more about management. It's not about coaching. No, I believe it is about coaching. I believe it's about coaching because you end up putting your guys in situations to where more than likely it's not going to be successful. That's coaching. That, to me, is not management. Coaches will tell me that I'm wrong, and that's okay. That is just my philosophy on it. I mean, you manage who's out there, but you coach up in situations. And so many times, what do we think about Gardner Minshew as a backup quarterback before the start of the season? You thought about him as a guy that you felt really comfortable. And really, that that also went into the regular season, the early regular season when you saw him so much because the rookie quarterback couldn't stay out there. But when he came in, it was like he came in and just short passes and above all else, didn't turn it over. And that was his M.O. You know what? He could make sure the ship stays afloat. He wasn't going to do anything that was going to get you beat. And now we have seen recently he is doing his damnedest to maintain losing with either decisions that his coach and offensive coordinator pass along to him on the field or just decisions he makes alone on the field. You watch yesterday, they're down one in the third, and Zach Moss had just ripped off a 41-yarder. And it was weird. Like, I didn't obviously see this because I I couldn't hear it and watch it while I'm in the stadium, but I think it was Mark Sanchez that mentioned – right before the Minshew interception, which he could have had two, mind you, and a fumble, but right before the Minshew interception, he said, you know what, the Colts found something here right now. They're in a groove. And I'm paraphrasing what he said, but the description's accurate. Now, these guys are really in a groove right now, and they found out that running the football is eating up some chunk yardage. They're in field goal range. They're down one. I mean, look strong. Maybe you end up pushing that in for a score, not have to settle for a field goal. And then the net, the very next play, I mean, these words are like a, a cartoon comic book character in a bubble. The words are floating above Mark Sanchez's head. The next play, 
Minshew snaps the football, looks downfield, nothing available, trying to make something out of nothing. And there's a difference between making something out of nothing and trying to make or trying to to make something happen that's not there. And there's zero there, none. And when he releases the football, you go, what in the hell is happening here? And there was the interception. And that that to me, that was the biggest to me turning point in the game. Now, they still may have given up chunk yardage and scores because I guess you don't know defensively what Taysom Hill does or Kamara just being too good. All these excuses you can hear. Maybe they still end up giving that up. But that was the defining moment in that game. And that's been the defining moment in this season so far. They give you a couple of expectations. They get you down the field. You start thinking that they're not what they are on the field. And what they are on the field is just simply put, not a good football team. And that's what a lot of us felt this was going to be this season. It's just different now because it's not it's not a spot that you're willing to live with with these mistakes. If it were the rookie quarterback, I'm sure we would still be critical. We would still talk about it. But you would be more than willing, I'm assuming, if there were also good plays in there to factor in, to live with those mistakes. And you're just not now. This is not not supposed to be the, the Gardner Minshew season. It's supposed to be the Richardson season. I just thought yesterday painted a perfect portrait of what this team is not. That maybe sometimes gets lost in the shuffle of excitement or just the simple fact that you haven't had consistent winning of any kind for such a long time. It gets lost in the muck of the fact this team just didn't any good. I mean, you look at New Orleans, I know what you're going to say. Well, New Orleans is only 4-4 four and four with that win. Look how bad they played up until then. But you look on their team and the defining players that they have and the quarterback right now. I mean, even if you want to complain about Derek Carr, that I'm assuming that most of you would take in a pinch over Gardner Minshew right now. You know, somebody that hasn't been with a defensive line. You get somebody that comes off the edge in a secondary that can cover. It's been a disappointing team so far, but it is a a disappointing team that has done so still with talented guys. The Colts just don't have that level of talent, especially at those skill positions. I think sometimes we get swept up and I know I do. I just I want to see some consistency, something good to talk about because it squeezes the life out of you to have to come in here every single day and be pissed or pissy about something. I don't know how all these political hacks do it. Because every day, you got to come up with something that you're pissed off at the world about, man. And it just, to me, it breaks me down. Like, I want to see something where you can rejoice and come together. If nothing else is happening in our lives right now, everything kind of stinks. Hey, you know what? This is what you can lean on. And it's been such a damn long time you've had that around here. This is what you're kind of left with. Those simple moments to where, you know what? You're excited about it. And then poof, so quickly it's gone. And it's even tougher to swallow when what was supposed to be a realistic 
grotesque pattern of a season, you know, a rebooted quarterback. And whether you like it or not, and again, you know how I feel about it. You know, a rebooted general manager, you get a rebooted head coach. In terms of Jim Mercer, you get a reboot in philosophy. And it's much more difficult to accept when the rebooted quarterback, which is the most significant position in professional sports, is not out there to see, you know, both the shortcomings, the shortfalls, and the positive results. And then you're left with this. And there's just nothing fulfilling about that. And I'm assuming that's how most of you streamed out of that stadium yesterday. Completely and utterly unfulfilled. That's how it felt at the end of the game. It was just like no chance. And it does wear you out. Yeah, that moment with Minshew to me was the largest. We could get into the defense too, right? It's funny. When you talk about a bad team, and I'll double back to last week, and I, I, I will I will feel this way regarding the matchup. Like last week I said, you know, you gotta throw it all out there and you gotta go after PJ Walker. You know, when you blitz, you get there. Yeah, I know you're gonna get beat on the back end, but when you do it, you get there. Now games are different. Yeah, last week with P.J. Walker is much different than what you have with Derek Carr, no matter what you think about Derek Carr. I'm not trying to suggest the guy is Dan Marino, but compared to P.J. Walker, he's Tom Brady. So you have to handle that differently. But, you know, not being prepared from either in the offseason not being prepared from an injury standpoint. You know, left you with a guy that was a question mark in Tony Brown on Friday to even play. And my man had an absolute nightmare out there. But he was not alone. You got money. You got time. You got draft selections. You have effort in guys up front. That, you know, unless we're talking about circumstances, as I mentioned last week, when you throw everybody at them, they rarely, if ever, it feels, get home to the quarterback. And that is a major concern, i.e. a major disappointment from yesterday. You know, whether you want to blame that on Gus Bradley or Chris Ballard or just the individual defensive players themselves, uh, there is a share of the blame to go around. Incredibly unfortunate. Three and five. Three and five. And I cannot think, at least at this point of the season, a worst case scenario on the horizon than this three and five team. Losers now of three consecutive. This three and five team, I, I guess you can see, at least it's on the road, right? At least they have a chance because it's on the road and not inside their own stadium. But Can you imagine, can you allow yourself just for a moment to think about Sunday and go into Carolina where they just got their first win of the season against the Houston Texans yesterday and then losing to the head coach that Jim Mersey bounced this time last year. I don't know how juice Frank Reich ever gets it always seemed like he was even keel both good and bad 
But if there was anything that was going to juice you up, talk about the mark that is coming into your stadium for a one-win team (laughs) and so many reasons to get one over. And listen, I'm assuming – I'm assuming that they all get along. Like if if Frank Reich sees Jim Irsay, shaking of hands, whatever, I'm sure. But come on now. If you're Frank Reich, if you've ever been in a situation as Frank Reich was, you know what you want, don't you? You want payback. If you don't want payback, then you're just not a competitive person in general. Everybody wants payback. That is the beyond mid-season cherry on top of a horrible season. If you go to Carolina on Sunday and lose to the Panthers, a one-win team, to the coach that you fired during the season this time last year. So I don't know. Normally they say the ill saying is, hey, the best is yet to come. I'm not sure. I am not sure about that. Because that seems rather ugly to me. And if you allow yourself to think about it, it may make you nauseous. Uh, Yesterday, that's what yesterday brought to the table. One of their last nine inside their own stadium. Whoa. And believe me, I've gone through some bad times. You don't know anything on bad times, you younger generation. Nothing. Like James is over here rocking like a 27-year-old with 5,000 tattoos, has no idea what it felt like in the mid the late 80s around here most of the time has no idea but still (laughs) that would be that would be ugly all right we'll get to more of the issues i'm just scratching the surface on that those were just my thoughts initially as i like to present to you on a monday after a game and certainly they're not good for a variety of reasons you get dragged down that path you get the carrot dangled and then All of a sudden, it gets uh, pulled back, and you're kind of left going, hey, left to understand that this has simply put a bad football team, and as I mentioned in the promo that's floating around here, too, it's it's a wasted season. Wasted season. And you ask about Jonathan Taylor. Again, I think Jonathan Taylor's usage, and I I note Jake had mentioned, are they just saving him because they know this year is going to be bad? I... Maybe that's the case. I just think that Shane Steichen right now as a coach and an offensive coach, I think that he will outsmart himself. I think we've seen him do that now in two consecutive weeks because I don't care what you suggest about your thoughts of the remainder of the season. He is your best offensive weapon. Honestly, he is your best weapon. Your best weapon. I have so many incredible analogies. So many incredible analogies. You're thinking right now, aren't you? You're thinking right now. I wonder what JMV's analogy is with how you utilize or justify the utilization of Jonathan Taylor in that second half. I I know things, oh, well, things got haywire. They had to throw it. Yeah, they didn't have to throw it when they weren't putting him on the field or when they weren't handing off to him. They were working the football up until on the ground, up until Gardner Minshew also was thinking outside the box, or in this case, thinking outside the pocket. Then it all went haywire. And I think closely related to that is the thought process of outsmarting yourself that Shane Steichen can do. 
till you grow out of that. We shall see. Hey, Pacers off to a 2-0 start on the season. I don't care. Without Donovan Mitchell, without Darius Garland, without Jared Allen, you go over to Cleveland and you do what you should do. Last Wednesday night, Cambridge Fieldhouse, you go in there and you beat a Washington team that's not predicted to be very good. You do what you should do. Tonight at home against Chicago, that uh, I think uh, Zach Levine scored 51. I think they lost over the weekend too, right? But that is a team where you do what you should do. And that is when the Pacers depth-wise looks good. The Pacers have given up 30-plus, I believe, in four of the eight quarters in which they played so far. Leading the league through the first two games in scoring. Actually, they give up like 116, I think. Is that true? I'd have to look that up. I think they're averaging 134. They get into this two games. 134 and giving up 116. At some point, the defense has to improve, but you just keep landed out there offensively. And really, to this team so far, they have been consistent points. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton, especially down the stretch. But, you know, Bruce Brown didn't have a great offensive game whatsoever on Saturday night in Cleveland. But Aaron Neesmith did off the bench. And that can make up for a lot of stuff, especially in an incredibly long NBA season. We could talk about that. IUUND yesterday in an exhibition game. Purdue, Arkansas at an exhibition game over the weekend. Purdue and IU football is not really worth the time of the effort any longer, I don't think. Got a lot to talk about today. We're out early, too. Remember that. So, Stephen Holder's at 5. Colts Roundtable's coming up at 5.30. Bulls Pacers at 6.30. So, we're going to have to get you in here at 239-1070. Early and often on the show. And we bail at 5.30 today. James is here. I'm John. Thank you for joining us. The Windshuler Spreadable Cheeses Lounge via YouTube Live. Get in there. You can respond. You can participate. You can watch, listen, all that stuff. The stream, the app, HD Radio, and your calls, your thoughts on yesterday. Coming up on the other side, 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Say, man, you got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Minshew out of the gun. In motion right side is Michael Pittman Jr. Ball in the near hash. And Pittman is wide open on the near flat. He's at the five, diving for the pylon on the far sideline. Give it to him. No signal yet. There it is. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y, Michael Pittman Jr. From Gardner Minshew on fourth and one. They find the end zone for a touchdown. Matt Taylor right there on the call. Of course, a football Monday here in the afternoon with me and JMV on the fan. Brought to you by Shane Company. Find jewelry since 1929. Shane Company made to shine. Now, I know what you're thinking out there. I'm going to beat you to it. 
You know, if Jonathan Taylor wants to touch it more, he should have come out of the locker room yesterday and said, hey, I guess I wasn't a part of the second half game plan. Because <laughs> I'm sure that it was just a coincidence. And again, Michael Pittman Jr. said all the right things afterwards. I get it. I get all of that. But they shot down last week's five targets in the first quarter yesterday. Hey, I, can you imagine? And, I, like, and again, Jonathan Taylor said after the game that he trusts whatever Shane calls. But if you were Jonathan Taylor, we just said, hey, I guess I'm not a part of the game plan here in the second half. What, 90-plus yards in the first half and la-dee-da. <laughs> here we is. I, um, how do you guys view that? You guys view – I made – my thought is that there is – a difference. I view that more as coaching than managing. And maybe there's no difference. Any of you folks out there a coach? Is it the same thing? I, I view it as coaching decisions, not like a managerial decision. Of course, you got game three of the World Series later on tonight. Maybe I'm wrong about that. That's just how I view it. Yeah, I think that, that Shane, and I'm not trying to put anybody on the couch and psychoanalyze anybody. I just think that he outfoxes, outsmarts himself. You guys view it that way, or is it just bad decisions? I'm not trying to soften the blow on criticism, either last week at the end of the half or poof, what happened to 28 in the second half, because you can... In the fourth quarter, for example, later in the game, you can make the argument, well, you know what? You take him out of the equation. Now you got to start throwing. But I'm going to respond with this. It wasn't the case in the third. You unplugged him yourself. And if you are this genius offensive mind, then for God's sake, find a way to utilize him. I got a. I have a great, the greatest John Holmes reference to this right now, um, and I'm not quite sure the audience would understand. Well, yeah, you would understand it. Some of you may not know who he is. Got a great one right here. But David Wood would come down here and say that is a rated X analogy. Got a good one, but I'm not going to use it. That's just my thought. Like I think that Shane is going to be a good coach. But don't sit here and tell me that, well, you know, once you get past this point, then you just unplug him? Find a way to use – am I asking too much? Am I asking too much? Got to find something that – something that is your best and you don't use it? That's what I would ask. That's what I'd be curious about. And then also your thoughts on, you know, coaching within a game as opposed to, well, he just, that's not game management. That wasn't great. I almost look at that more as a philosophy. Well, this is what I thought would take place here. That's like the outfoxing that I'm describing. Jeremiah says, who gets traded from the Colts in a fire sale, Taylor or Moss? 
I'd be, maybe I will be surprised tomorrow. I'd be really surprised if they do anything. I will be surprised. I'd be surprised. And maybe it is for the betterment of the team. I mean, you never know. I mean, we're at a point right now, and I think I'm the only one that doesn't get completely jacked up every time you hear picks. Like, I've become picks, and I've said this before, you know, the terms um, trade value, that stuff drives me nuts anymore. I'm to a point now where I never want to hear it. I do know that you can better yourself by doing things of that nature, but I'm just telling you how I feel about that. Okay, get yourself a nice, what, quality six-rounder? Well, maybe it's going to turn into this guy, and he's been really good. Well, maybe maybe it will turn into the 20 guys that have sucked. Flip a coin. I'd be shocked. Now, I know you don't have a home game again until, what, Tampa Bay coming in town? So you go Carolina. Good Lord Almighty. Can you imagine? You lose to Carolina. And Frank Reich. Whew. <laughs> okay, yeah, trade a couple of frontline players <laughs> tomorrow and then go to Carolina and lose to Frank Reich. It sounds like a plan. So then you go overseas to Frankfurt and like three people are going to go. And then you come back and you have a bye week and everybody gets to exhale and then your next home game, nobody shows up. Jim McCann says, please send your unusable analogies to Fox. <laughs> Thank you. And I, Listen, I know that Jake before me is the king of analogies. I am the king of dirty analogies. I'm very proud of that honor. Thank you very much. C. Fitz chimes in. Chris Ballard needs to get some damn talented DBs in here versus the ones he got. Yeah, well, you can say that about a lot of things. So what, we're thinking now? Where are we now? See, I don't even want to bring it up. You guys want to bring up, well, you know, now these, this top pick needs to be somebody coming off the edge. I don't even want to get in there. It is the day before Halloween, and you want to talk about the Colts draft in April. That makes me want to vomit. That's the pattern, however. Kevin's at 239-1070. Hey, lighten up this show a little bit. Kev, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for taking my call, John. First time, and I wanted to thank you for all you do in the community first. Appreciate you. I thank you. Thank you very much. I love working with Teacher's Treasures. Now, I think beyond that, I'm trying to think what I do. I go play basketball, and I cuss a lot. Yes, th- you're welcome. <laughs> and you tease yeah. us with X-rated analysis. I do. I, I, you know yeah. what? I'm like the Spice Channel. I'm going to take you to a point, and then I'm going to cut to something else. Yes. You are. Just the, tease, the tease king. I'm the tease. All right, man. Hey, two things. I heard you and Coach Venturi on the pregame. And it makes me look now back, you know, with hindsight, wish there was a direct line from Rick to the sideline. You know, he talked about how our identity is ground and pounds. And they left it. The other thing that he mentioned from the previous game was you got a guy at quarterback that could not hit the side of the barn if pressured from 12 yards 
and we let that happen again. I, I just, uh, you know, I'm with you on its coaching. I really feel like we've we've got an issue on both sides of the ball. Steichen's a genius, but you're right. I think he does uh, outthink himself sometimes. Kevin, I appreciate the the kind words. I do agree with you on that, by the way, too. And Vin Jerry was outstanding yesterday on the pregame show. Absolutely outstanding. And even even more outstanding in a personal call, he called me after the game, which I wish I, wish I could podcast that, but uh, alas, I cannot. Kevin, thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, Jared chimes in with this. I just think Colts fans should revisit the preseason expectations for this team. Started out strong, playing a replacement-level quarterback in a transition season. When AR went down for the year, everybody needed to reset expectations. And just relax. And I mentioned that at the beginning of the show. I think that that Jared is easier said than done. Because you did see, you know, success in Baltimore. You saw success at least once in the past nine tries at home against Tennessee. You see that success and this NFL market, this fan base is starved for anything. It, seriously, I was down at Horseshoe, Indiana, you know, for their their champions deal on Saturday with Jake, and it's it's like one of those jockeys in preparation. I mean, you you get you, they're gonna here you get to eat half a peanut, <laughs> you can't eat anything. I mean, these guys have to be hungry as hell, right? You guys around here are hungry as hell, and when you get to latch on to something, you do, and oftentimes. It has become fool's gold. So I I do think that's par for the course. That's why I said this, as it turns out, is a team that simply put, Jared, is not any good. They are who we, we thought they were going to be. Before you win a couple of games and you get excited and you just hope that this is one of those seasons like you saw in Andrew Lux first that came out of nowhere. Unfortunately, this season is going nowhere. And that's definitely where we are. This part of the show, football conversation on a Monday, brought to you by the Shane Company, made to shine. If you're on hold, I'll get to you. I'll lead with Roland on the other side. Four o'clock hour to get to this as well. And any Pacer comments, we'll take those as well at 239-1070. Inside the Windshuler Spreadable Cheeses Lounge via YouTube Live, the stream, the app, HD Radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. MV. Let me have a Diablo sandwich, a Dr. Pepper, make it fast. I'm gonna damn hurry. 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. Benchu out of the gun. First and 10 for the Colts. In motion right side, Josh Down. Shotgun snap again, left side give. Here's Jonathan Taylor again. Cuts it up. 50. He's at the 40. In Saints territory, still going. And he's tackled and pushed forward from behind inside the 20-yard line. An explosive run for Jonathan Taylor all the way down to the Saints 18. Yeah, you got to find a way. Matt Taylor right there, Nicole. All right, I know you get behind. You got to throw it. 
Yeah, bad answer for yesterday. You had time to throw it. You got to figure a way to get your best player the football. You just do. They did not, and uh, that's what happens. Hey, Jamie, the Ravens game was fool's gold. Everyone got hype and forgot the goal of the season. Let Anthony Richardson grow. Boom. Problem is, you can't now. Oh, I know. He can observe. He can watch. And that's all great, but nothing again, Pelt Dog. Nothing is going to compare to actually being out there and taking on that wrath. So I agree with you on that. But it's very easy. It's very easy for this fan base to run and jump on anything positive because rarely has it happened, and certainly even more rare than that has it been sustainable. Thank you, my brother. Uh, Roland's up next at 239-1070. Welcome to the show, Roland. Well, thank you. Uh, I agree with you. Stane Shiken has outsmarted himself. Here is a guy that had two healthy running backs and two decent receivers and you chose to call a quarterback run that we should have been utilizing that opportunity to develop his pocket presence, Anthony Richardson, and now it's it's gone. So I just want you to weigh in on that. Why would you call a design quarterback run? You got two healthy running backs. I will say this and Roland, thank you for the call. To me, the most egregious play of the game was having Zach Moss break off that 41 yarder. The ne- next play, uh, you get a, uh, I, I'm sure it wasn't designed in this case, but Minshew moving to his right out of the pocket and just heaving one up like some of you dudes would in your backyard. And they were down one. Field goal, easy right there. Maybe you drive for seven. Instead, you get jack squat. They go the other way. I think it was Kamara that scored. That was the complete game changer. Taylor and Moss, 23 carries between them. Gardner Minshew threw it 41 times. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to sit here and accept the, well, they got behind and they had to throw it. When they started throwing it, they didn't have to throw it. That, to me, is outsmarting oneself. And that's what I brought up right there. We got plenty of time for you on the other side. Let me take a break. We'll come back after for a full hour of conversation with me and you regarding yesterday. And I also want to get to some Pacers stuff. Pacers Bulls later on tonight, 6.30, your pregame coverage right here. That follows Colts Roundtable at 5.30. Yes, which means I got a stinking bail at 5.30 on a day like today. Holy hell. 100% wrong. I got this too. JMV, were you on every station at Radio 1? No, I wasn't on. I was on this building stations. I think I was on everything but Hank. If Hank played classic country, I'd be on Hank. I just don't want to play, you know, Al Dean and all that stuff. I don't need to talk up any Florida Georgia line unless it's anything goes and we do that here. Quick break, we'll come back. If you get on hold, we'll talk at you. Hour number two, Colts lose yesterday at home once again. One of their last night at Lucas Oil Stadium yesterday, it was the New Orleans Saints. 93-5107, the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. 
Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Look at all those ding-dongs. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hey, welcome back. Hour 2. I was just informed by our incredible executive producer, Todd Meyer. In fact, yesterday I was on the Colts pregame huddle on Hank FM, so I did do all the stations in this building. So in honor of being on Hank FM as well yesterday, I'll play something that I'm assuming is in their rotation right now. This is for Hank FM. Turn it up. Is this in their rotation? Does Cole in the morning play this? Uh, I, w- I mean, it sounds like it would be. I think Cole, once upon a time, worked in Vincennes. I think this is what they play 24-7-365. This is in Deliverance, isn't it? Maybe. (laughs) Shout out to Hank FM. If that's not in their heavy rotation, it should be. Colts Roundtable at 5.30 this afternoon. I bail a little bit early. Stephen Holder coming up at 5 o'clock. Bulls and Pacers tonight. Your pregame coverage begins right here at 6.30. The Pacers 2-0 and zero on the season, getting the Bulls at Cambridge Fieldhouse. Coming up later on tonight. Hey, shout out, by the way. I thought, and you know how much I love Paul Casaro down at UND. Paul Casaro and Mike Burris, everybody, from Greene County. I should have you turn that back up. <laughs> but hanging in there, playing well yesterday at a first-half lead. Then IU went out and got a win at Assembly Hall yesterday over UND. But well done by UND. And you know any Paul Casaro team that he played on, whether we're talking about Ron Colley or UND, is going to fight you. And they did that yesterday. Uh, good for them. Inside IU basketball later on tonight. Uh, that is at 1030. So we got you set right here. Bulls and Pacers. You guys want to talk some Pacers? We certainly can. Aaron Neesmith had a great game on Saturday. Miles had himself a double-double. I think 20 and 13. Tyrese Halliburton may have had um, had issues that Pepto-Bismol had to take care of. Kind of like the Saints, I guess, did here over the weekend. They must have all chugged Pepto-Bismol. But Tyrese Halliburton, I guess he did as well because incredible late finish, knocking down, I believe, three threes late and securing that win in Cleveland. Pacers Bulls coming up later on tonight. 38-27 Saints over the Colts yesterday. Colts now 3-5 and five on the season. And would, I'm assuming, love to sidestep the incredible embarrassment of losing to the coach they fired this time last year. And a one-win team in Carolina on Sunday. Am I going overboard with that? Or is everything just really nice and have, well, you know, Frank's a good guy, so yeah, on that. Can you imagine? I don't care who you're talking about. If you're any type of competitor, there's no way you want that to happen. That is a cherry on top of the autumn fruitcake that is this cult season so far at three and five. Come on, you don't want that to happen. 
Uh, Kevin writes this, AJMV, I agree 100% with your never talk about the draft stance. Whenever anyone talks about the Colts should lose for a better draft pick, I immediately know they are an amateur sports follower. I just, Kevin, honestly, I get so sick and tired of hearing about draft capital, draft position, draft stock, picks. I kind of think about it this way. Maybe I'm wrong. That's just the way that I'm wired. I immediately go, hey, nerd, shut up. I do. That's exactly how I think. Now, that nerd's probably a thousand times smarter than I am, and I gather that. Or as I like to say, has a thousand times the smarts real good over me. I'll cop to that immediately, but I just, I don't want to hear it. I sure as hell don't want to hear it during the season. So I'm not really interested in hearing, well, you know, now maybe it's an edge rusher, not a wide receiver. Man, I don't want to hear it. Not even Halloween yet. So that is the level of sucktitude we have reached around here is now every single year you bring up the April draft before Halloween. Can you imagine? It's almost more embarrassing than losing the guy you fired this time last year next week. I'm not down with it. Oh, is that exact time? James keeping me on time here. Alex says, we talk about the draft because it gives us hope and a loft seat. No, you've got plenty of time to do that. And I don't even know how much hope resides in that conversation either, Alex, to be completely honest with you. <laughs> I get where you're coming from. Got to find something. Something else. All right, 239-1070. I mentioned I have full full time here in the 4 o'clock hour to talk with you. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is coming up in the 5 o'clock hour. Gardner Minshew in that ridiculous throw to me was the the signature moment in the game. And you could pick a variety of things. It wasn't a great afternoon at all for Shane Steichen. And really, it wasn't a great afternoon because he unplugged what could have been a great afternoon for his best player. Seriously. And I know I should be talking about the defense more. And I know everybody wants to go all in on Gus Bradley, and that's okay. I'm not going to sit here and just continuously rip on Tony Brown, however, because we all know this. The dude just has no business being out there right now. Be like thrusting you out there. He has no business. And honestly, if you really want to tag a group defensively, tag the ones that are getting paid, tag the ones up front that were first and second round picks that everybody around here so desires, everybody gets a sports arousal anytime somebody brings up the word pick. And think about what that group's not doing. And oh, by the way, you got one guy that you also paid that's going to likely get paid again that's sitting at home on a six-game mandated NFL suspension. Hallelujah. Right, 239-1070 is the number. Let me go to Bill on line two. Bill, welcome to the show. JMV, how are you doing today? Bill, I'm fantastic, but I'm going to be better when I see you at Coaches on Thursday and GG's on Friday. That's how we yep. know the good times are ready to roll. Go ahead. 
we got to get yeah we got to get the Colts back on the back on the winning ways. Hey, you know not use not utilizing Jonathan Taylor is like Norman Dale in the movie Hoosiers not drawing up initially the winning shot play for Jimmy. I mean it's 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 the same kind of I'm it's, I'm thinking too much here. We're going to use you as a decoy or use the running game as, as a decoy. And it, it is out and is yep. And you know what? The other players went hey Dork. In this case, Norman Dale. They said, hey, Dork, uh, we're not going to get out of this huddle until you give it to the guy that's the best on this team in the moment right here. Yeah. And that's why I think that the the the, uh, the leadership uh, of the team, somebody has to sit down with with and get some kind of explanation as to why they're not doing this. This is this is just so abnormal for a, for a football team to not go to the hot hand well, when you, you know yeah, you're trying, I, I you're trying to save your season. I, I would agree with that too. And then, see, I don't, I don't buy the whole. Well, they got in a position to have to throw it. They put themselves in that position. Crap. I mean, they they put themselves in that position. But furthermore, here, you know, part of what I I, I believe I do believe in Shane Steichen as a coach in the future. But part of that belief is deeply rooted on something we haven't seen yet. I, I want to see him utilize their best weapon to the best of his ability. That's what I'm looking for. To me, that would be the difference between, well, this guy's just, you know, your average type of offensive coach or, hey, this is where he is getting – you know, a little bit of ground between he and those behind him by doing stuff. It's like I talked about last week. I thought offensively they did some things that Jim Swartz wasn't ready for with the Browns defensively. I am looking for him to, with his so-called genius, find a way. Find a way, in this case, to utilize Jonathan Taylor where, well, we got to unplug him here because we got Zach Moss in there. Find a way to utilize your best player. It doesn't sound that hard, and I know it's easy to say, uh, much more difficult, I'm assuming, for him to do, but that's what I'm looking for for somebody. To me, that's going to be the difference in in what you are as you know a regular type of offensive coach. That's going to take you to a different level. We haven't seen it yet. I know last week we talked a little bit about the Eric Dickerson and Albert Bentley and why couldn't they play together uh, or at, be on the field at the same time. I think these two guys, I think Taylor and Moss on, on the field at the same time would be dynamic. And, oh, by the way, Taylor made one hell of a catch on the sideline uh, during the game. So I don't know. If you, if you don't want to run Jonathan Taylor, then throw him the ball. Swing passes, screen passes, do something, but just, just – Shut the ball up to him and everything, and let him do his thing. And as as for the Pacers, uh, it, it's it's great to see them starting off like this, being as deep as as they are, and, and the way that they they creatively find ways to at least in the first two games, you know, to 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 win games that that you kind of in the past would say, man, that's going to be in the in the losing column. So so I'm going to be looking forward to the Bulls tonight. But the big game is going to be on Thursday. So after Coach's Tavern, they're going to be all dialed in when the Pacers are playing the Celtics. Oh yeah, that's on the road too. That's that's going to be a big. That's going to be a big, uh, big test for them. I don't like the Celtics. You like the Celtics? Uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't. I certainly didn't like when Bird played for them. When, when they were going up against Chuck Person and they and you know you know what it's weird I've always forth. said this too I I did not 
I did not embrace Bird during that era as much as I, I should have. And I guess it's because where I grew up and that's all you ever heard about was Bird. And then, yeah, I mean, you wanted your hometown team to do well, and he was you know playing so well for the Celtics. I probably felt in a similar fashion. Yeah, and plus they had, I mean, that Celtics team and everything. Kevin McHale, I mean, you know, I mean, he – he wouldn't have been. He wouldn't have started for any for a lot of teams and everything back in the day if he didn't have Robert Parrish and and uh, and Larry Bird next to him. But yeah, didn't like the Celtics then. Don't like them now. Certainly not going to like them on Thursday. We're going to chuck up some beers at Coach Center, and I'll see you then. You got it, Billy. Thank you very much. I always thought Kevin McHale reminded me of. He may got in my, What did he remind you of? He reminded me of Alan Alda, Hawkeye Pierce from MASH. I don't know why. This kind of looked the same. Tall, skinny, gangly. <laughs> Hawkeye Pierce. Wait a minute. Is that Kevin McHale or Alan Alda out there? I love the McHale post moves, though. My man traveled about 65% of the time on those post moves. Oh, that's just great. He's got great footwork. Well, I would too if I changed my pivot foot. Jake Query says, not Alan Alda, but Herman Munster. Fred Gwynn, as he is known. Fred Gwynn. Fred Gwynn got off in Pet Cemetery, didn't he? <laughs> Didn't, they, didn't that little boy running around slice his Achilles tendon or something like that? Felt bad for Herman Munster in that one. Uh, thought I'd bring that up given the fact tomorrow was Halloween, by the way. Uh, Manny's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Manny. Hey, how you doing, JMV? Manny, I'm okay. Hey, man, I just want to take time out, man, a couple things. Thank you, man. I'm glad you did. It's it's a hell of an opportunity to be had, right? Yes, sir. And I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Uh, the atmosphere there, man, I felt that, I mean, how everybody was around. You had a lot of the post players out, and you also had the, uh, the uh, New Orleans fans out there. They were partying it up. It almost felt like the atmosphere. Like I almost felt like we was going to lose that game in some kind of way. I didn't feel the aura that we was going to win it. I don't know what it was. Might have been because the day was so cloudy as far as the weather. Yeah. But I mean, the atmosphere in the event center was was was. was I didn't know what well, that that, that building that time. that if you're looking for it. Uh, thank you, Manny. I'm glad you had a great time at the Bullseye Event Center. Uh, Lucas Oil Stadium. Right now, when you walk in there. You can tell this fan base has a great deal of doubt. Seriously, consistent losing has now set in. You walk in there and you're thinking about, so how's this team going to blank this thing up? One of their last nine. That is awful. We'd be making fun and poking fun if it was the team that you hated. Give me one of the NFL, the team that you hate the most. That's all you'd be doing. We'd be making fun of a home record recently like that, a home record of the past two years. That mark resides right here. That's awful. Fred Gwynn. Thanks, Jay. (laughs) 
I always saw Alan Alda. I don't know why. Weird, I guess. Uh, at JMV 1070. And inside the lounge via YouTube Live, the Winshuler Spreadable Cheeses Lounge, where uh, cheese fever is sweeping central Indiana. I'm very proud of it, too. Uh, JMV, my cold seats have gone up by 500 per seat since 2019, and they sure haven't won anything since then. Was it, um, I think it was Doyle. Greg Doyle had a column, and I just I have a differing opinion on this. You know, talking about how you know clearly the Colts just want to to make happy, want to be liked by the fans and the players or whatever. I, I don't. The players, okay. The fans. Let me tell you this: you win one of your last nine inside that stadium and raise ticket prices year after year. That's not making anybody happy. I mean, you may want to make the players on the team happy and we talked about that and i don't know if that's in terms of you know tony brown staying out there and and tony brown needing to find a seat i i'm not quite sure who was going to be out there it was like well i know shane steichen said after the game that you know he'd worked and they had confidence in it confidence in him and they were going to let him roll clearly that was the case or maybe just put up your arms and thought well you know what he's better than what else we have right here great That guy was questionable on Friday. Then you're going to throw him out there? You imagine how much worse that could be? Olave had one bounce off his helmet. That's yeah, bad. No, but getting back to that that column, maybe with the players, but with the fans, you guys happy? This whole thing making you happy? How are they making you happy? That's what I would question. How are you happy? That result create happiness. Last week, I, I even excused it. I gave the Green County hillbilly blame it on the officials. I can't hear. I can't see. Might as well be a referee. That's what I did last week. That was even excused. <laughs> and is this bad? Ethan's next at 239-1070. Ethan, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Hello, Ethan. I got a question pertaining to the Pacers. I think you should ask it. Uh, How are we going to get Darius Walker onto the court? Uh, We got Neesmith who popped off, and it's hard to to find a way to get, you know, a, a rookie who's supposed to have this high defensive upside onto the court. I will say this. If he is not ready, then don't play him. And that would be drastically different from, I guess, a Colts philosophy, right? If he's not ready, go ahead and play him. But no, if he's not ready, don't play him. They don't have any problems as of right now. And again, we're early in the season, but they don't have any yeah. problems right now, you know, filling filling the needs that they have presently. So, yeah, I, I don't think that's that big of a deal. I'm assuming maybe, maybe an injury, but... You know, there's a reason as to why he's not a part of this rotation right now. And um, I think it's, you know, a good reason. I mean, you could actually, you know, let this happen and not force him into a situation that he is not prepared prepared in doing. Anything else, Ethan? I mean, I'll throw in real quick. Is there anything to take away from, you know, are you playing the close game against UND or Purdue losing to Arkansas? What's that now? 
is there anything to take away from, you know, UND leading IU at halftime in these scrimmage games or Purdue losing to Arkansas? I would like to think not. Um, I'd like to think not. I mean, other than, and I'm not going to take anything away from UND, other than, I mean, Purdue goes and it was a game for charity uh, that they played on the road against Arkansas. Um, but I'm, I'm glad that UND gets a chance to, to take their kids and their staff into Assembly Hall. And, you know, the, the fact that they had a two-point lead at the half, I mean, it's just, to me, it probably describes for IU a, a lot of what you're thinking right now is you, you don't really know what you're going to get and it's going to take a minute to get hopefully to where Hoosier fans are are accepting of a a higher level product it's going to take a minute that's what I gathered from yesterday I guess listening to it all right thanks Ethan thank you very much for the call a Wednesday night by the way I think Bill mentioned the Pacers play on Thursday Pacers play Wednesday night I think it's not up on the board thank you Kristen Airy come on Bill (laughs) No, actually, Thursday, we're at Coaches downtown. Friday at GG's, which should be good. Hey, JMV, I was asking my fellow Section 637 people if anybody knew how to play cornerback. <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you look at it two different ways, and he goes out there, so he's going to be in the crosshairs of criticism if you're Tony Brown. But the other way to look at it is, Why? You know, why does it come to this? A guy that was questionable on Friday. You know, why does it come to that? Yeah, I know you can say, well, you know, injuries, injuries and Juju Brandt and all that. But I think we can lay blame at the feet of more than just the corner in that situation. You guys agree? Hey, by the way, speaking of the Pacers, too. What did I say last week? That there was going to be a moment sooner rather than later that T.J. McConnell is necessary out there for this team. It came pretty quick on Saturday, didn't it? You guys surprised how quickly that was there? Telling you, he brings a skill set that not a lot of dudes have. I'm not talking about instant offense or off-the-bench lockdown defense. He brings a speed, hellaciously hectic, and a mentality on the floor that not a lot of teams have coming off the bench. And you can tell me all day, well, his three-pointer, and now you can't guard anybody. Uh, He is necessary on this roster. It took us two games to recognize that. Two games. Back to you guys coming up on the other side as well. Again, we're 30 minutes short today because of Colts Roundtable 530, 630. Bulls and Pacers from Gambridge Fieldhouse coming up later on tonight as well. 93-5107, the fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. 
So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on, yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Hit you out of the gun, ball in the far hash. As a back to his left, that's Jonathan Taylor. Flushing out right side is Minshew. Minshew behind the line of scrimmage, taking a shot for the end zone. Has a man, that's Andrew Ogletree. Did he make the catch? He did! He did! It covers 33 yards. Andrew Ogletree from Gardner Minshew. Yes, sir! Touchdown! I-N-D-Y! That's just what the doctor ordered for the Colts. That is Matt Taylor. Colts Radio Network had a great time yesterday, by the way, on the Colts pregame huddle. Did that inside the press box for the first time. I don't think I've ever done that inside the press box. Now, normally, uh, and I miss out on the Bloody Mary routine, right? I can't get one up in the press box. But, man, it was a, a good time and a great show yesterday. Rick Venturi was outstanding on the Colts pregame huddle yesterday, too. More of Rick, Joe Wrights, and Matt Taylor coming up here at 5.30. Up 30 minutes in preparation for the pregame show coming up at 6.30 for the Bulls and the Pacers with Mark Boyle right here. Of course, it's a 7 o'clock start. Bulls and Pacers from Cambridge Fieldhouse coming up later on tonight. BT asked me this. Didn't hear from Miles haters on Saturday, did you? Um, I don't hear from them anymore. There is uh, one GIF or meme using Jackass, and and we just kind of go back and forth. I don't even know what his name is. He's somebody. He is somebody that um, couldn't shoot a jump shot, from what they tell me, to save his life. He's a Pacers Digest guy, but we just kind of go back and forth, and he never says anything other than send me. What are the things called where they're like moving? Is it a, a GIF or a, a GIF. GIF? That's GIF. a GIF. Yeah. He sends GIFs. He sends gifts. Now, the other one is the one that Jake fights with all the time named Regent Brian. And he is just a trucker dip blank is all he is. That's nothing more, nothing less. It's all good. I mean, any more, as I've told you, I mean, we're winners. So, and the pieces look like they're going to fit again. Two games in. There is a long way to go here. You guys seen the... um, the November tournament floor. Did you see the Pacer floor that they're going to have for that? It does. It looks like a pool. It, I'm telling you, that's exactly what that guy saw in 1987 at the Pink Floyd concert at the Hoosier Dome when he was on drugs and he jumped from the upper deck. Yeah, I thought it was cool blue waves of water, man. And I thought I got to And this is true. I've talked to the dude before. I just can't remember his name. This is such a true story. I don't know how this happened. And I'll go into fuller detail when we have more time. This is not for today. But once upon a time, I sat in Crazy Horse in Bloomington at a table for four with Downtown Johnny. You guys remember Downtown Johnny from WTTS 92.3 days? That's John McHugh, friend of mine, awesome guy. And for some reason, he brought with him this guy that plunged onto people back in the late 80s at a Pink Floyd concert at the then Hoosier Dome. So that guy was here. And uh, former IU women's coach Jim Izzard. And if you know all about that, yeah, 
that's that's one that I needed to tape right there. It was one night only. It's one I needed to tape. Shout out to downtown Johnny. Back in the day at WTTS. All right, back to you. Hey, Cap is up next at 239-1070. Hello, Cap. What do you say, JV? How you doing today, man? Cap, I'm waiting on you to call. Go ahead. Man, I've been waiting to talk. How you doing? Hey, just real quick, man. I'm an IU fan. I grew up in Indiana, joined Air Force, came back. But, man, it's hard to love them IUs, man. Let me tell you what happened. At the end of the game, two minutes left, you play the number 10 team in the nation. Tell me why are you so happy about kicking a field goal? You know you have no chance in H-E double to get back in the game and stop them from scoring. Yeah. Is that is that what you want your coach to do? Is that is that what we're trying to uh, do? Yeah, 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 yep. No, no, you can't. <laughs> There's no argument to be had for me, Cap. None. Uh, okay, so I'm just gonna stick with the Pacers till everybody fix, figures it out. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess at some uh, point you probably just figure out it can't get any uglier here. So what the hell? So, but no, no. You're you're, abs- you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Okay. All right. So. Just checking with you. Anything else, Cap? That's it, man. Enjoy the rest of your week. We'll, we'll talk after Thursday after them, them Celtics come to town. You got it, Cap. Thank you very much. The Celtics. Hey, reach out. I want to get Brad Stevens on sometime. I haven't talked to Brad in forever. I know, I know. You guys really don't want to hear about the Celtics, but I haven't had Brad on in a while. Let's do that. See how things are going. Hey, Brad, do you remember where you're from around here, Mr. Zionsville? They are loaded. Holiday is going to be such a great addition to that team. Loaded. You know what else I love, too? I love this time of year because it only lasts for about five days. But I so celebrated having the NBA League Pass for a week. How much is that? Is that $500? See, I'm... I've been with DirecTV since 2000, and I pay so much stinking money every month. They should lob that to me absolutely free, but they won't. I mean, I can't get that. I can't get Hustler. No, I wouldn't ask for Hustler, as far as you would know. I I can't get any of that for free, but I should get it for free. How much is it? Uh, I'm seeing on here it says the commercial free version is $19.99 to $22.99 per month, and that's about $129 to $149 per year. Is what I'm seeing, at least when I just quickly. I don't know what it. the hell did you just look up. There's a non-commercial version. Uh, I just version? look up NBA version. League Pass cost. There's a non-commercial version. Um, no, I want the commercials. I don't want non. I want to see the Waterburger commercials when we're watching Rockets games. Can't go without that. I got to see a Carl's Jr. commercial when we're watching Lakers, Kings, Warriors, or Clippers. I thought it was around 500 bucks, but no. The moral of the story here is I love it. I was all I was going around Warriors and Rockets last night. Had the Hawks and then the Bucks. I think Damian Lillard had six points last night, and then ended it with the Lakers and the Kings. What do you got, James? Uh, the with with commercials, it says it's ninety nine ninety nine for the season, according to really? NBA. Yeah, I'm on no NBA.com. Is it a month? No, get seven days free. Then ninety nine ninety nine per season. Well, I gotta get. I you can get five hundred dollars. You can get the commercial-free one for one forty-nine. Oh, I don't need commercial. I got to see those commercials, man. <laughs> You're like the only person that would choose to have. I the love commercial the commercials. Version. I watched the um, 
because much like we see with Daenery and JJ and Quinn, you know, every team has their own. And I, I believe Houston's is called Space City Network. But Atlanta has one, and it's some dude with Brian Oliver. Brian Oliver, if you remember, I believe played at uh, Georgia Tech. See, these are some of the guys we need to get on. I would talk to these guys. They normally have an ex-player that does a you know a studio show or you know works as uh, the analyst like Quinn does on the sideline. But I love that stuff. I do. Uh, JT's up next at two three nine ten seventy. Hello, JT. Hey, JT, I'm here for you. You with me? Is JT supposed to be there? Uh, he should be. He's that is incredibly up. unfortunate. We'll see if JT gets back on board. Kevin at 239-1070. Hello, Kevin. Hey, John. How you doing, man? Kevin, Thanks I'm outstanding. Me. I, was, God, buddy. I was just getting into it with my neighbor. So. Yeah, what's what's going on there? We got some... Well, he. I've been here for 18 years, man. He just moved here about three years ago. But really, he should have been moving into a senior citizen home. You know, so any little little noise I make, my dog bark or anything, you know, he's complaining. And I'm like, dude, you gonna, you know, we got a good thing going on over Does here. Does he call the cops on you? No, but he, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does, you know. So anyway, uh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, let's let's uh, let's say, hey, hey, Kevin, let's hope that this this works out in in a good way here. Maybe you guys can find some common ground. We will. Yeah. We will. We're gonna have we're gonna have another conversation, but you know, I think that that'll uh kind of shore things up. Did you just get did, into man. it with him? Yeah, he well he's he's come over talk well, we had a movie night. Right. And he comes out, Come on, you know, and I'm like, dude, we had a movie night one night. It was respectable as far as the sound. Yeah. But do we do this every weekend? No. I mean we've been here eighteen years, that's the first time we've done it. But he's only been here about three years. That's the first time we've done it. You know what I mean? So he needs to just get a grip. And How you know, old is like he? Just told him, How old is the guy? He's probably about, he's pushing about 70. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what, Kevin. Said, you're, tell, him, tell him you're part of this show and say, hey, man, why don't you go out with a JMV uh, Larceny Bourbon Locks Luna Azul Tequila Shots Thursday, and, and JMV will chill you out with some cocktails. We'll have an old-fashioned, we'll talk over how we can be reasonable, very calm, and enjoyable neighbors. How about that? Well, we were having some choice beverages that night, and I offered him that as well. You know, I'm like, dude, pull up a seat. We're having a good movie. Choice beverages, you know, just join us. You know, but he, I don't know, we're, we'll be all right. All right well, if you, if you want to use me, if you want to use me to help grease the wheel, I'm here for you. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it, You man. got it, buddy. Go ahead. Hey, I wanted to say... Um, Man, I, JMV, I, I, I'm, I'm getting to that point, man. You know, remember you were talking about last year, you know, we, you don't want the fans to get to where they don't care yes. or they expect to lose yes. or, you know, we're talking about draft picks in, in, in October. I'm like, dude, man, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan that I like to say that I understand the game and I, I recognize when – you know, uh, adjustments need to be made within 60 minutes. And, you know, so I, I you know, I'm always like, oh, we're going to lose. My wife's like, oh, here you go. I'm like, I know what I'm looking at. You know what I mean? But, but when I, I said all that to say, you know, last week, everybody's talking about, well, if you lose a turnover battle, you shouldn't win. But the thing is, we overcame that within the game and we were actually winning. So at that point, forget the turnover battle. At this point, you know, we were having a good thing. We were looking better than everybody expected us 
You know what I mean? So forget talking about draft picks. Hey, we, we're looking, looking like we're going to be something. Let's be something. You know what I mean? But when, when you have the big letdown like we've been having the last two weeks, you know, it's just like I'm getting to the point, man, I'm just like, man, I don't even care, man. I'll still watch, but I, – and I hate that. You yeah. know what I mean? Because I'm a diehard fan. You know, and I, but I, I have to say, it's safe to say, a lot of fans are getting like that. Well, you know, and, we'll and there is the no doubt that, that's what happens too, Kevin. When you win one of your last nine in that building, that's how people walk in to that building. And somebody had asked me earlier if I felt that they were going to utilize the trade deadline. I don't know if they will, but I think if they do, and you end up squeezing out you know, a six-round pick or whatever, nobody around here is going to care about that and care even less, especially if it is a significant player or a, sig- a significant name will care even less about your product this year. So Yeah, and I just, just think, you know, I, I think, we, you know, you, you're right about not running the ball and, you know, questionable calls and stuff like that in, in terms of the offense. But JMB, we have got to do something about the defense because what difference does it make? You're right. If we do things on the offensive end, but we still let them go out there. I mean, you got to do three catches for 153. That means somebody that we we didn't have a backfield out there yesterday. I mean, it was just straight up front seven only. Let me let me you tell know? you this too, and there's a that's why to me there's a lot more to be expressed criticism wise to the group up front to the group up front than there is to a guy like Tony Brown because, I mean, you get out of Tony Brown what you expect, but there has been a lot of time and effort and high draft selections and money that has gone in up front that right now is not paying off and not consistently pays off. You haven't seen it consistently pay off. It's been disappointing. And that, to me, is a bigger deal than what you saw, embarrassingly speaking, on the back end of things yesterday with Tony Brown. And much like Daryl Baker Jr. last week. You can also say Kenny Moore. I mean, because the thing is, if you lose Kenny, if you're worried about losing Kenny Moore in the backfield, it doesn't matter. You're still getting beat. So go ahead and try. Every time Kenny Moore rushes the passer or EJ Speed, they get home and they make something happen. It may be a completion, but at least the dude's throwing it on the run. That's why I'm like, it's just easy, man. And I'm like, at some point, something's got to be done about Gus Bradley, either his scheme, a come to Jesus or something, or either or just a replacement. Because we're we're just too much on the wrong side of these games, man, and it's because of the defense down the stretch, my opinion. It has been bad. Kevin, let me know if you need me, okay, buddy? All right, man, I'll let you know. Yeah, you got it. yeah I, I can't. I want to have any uh, neighbor discord right there. We got to bring people together. Quick break, and we shall return. If you're on hold, I'll get to you. I see Music Mac there as well. Top of the hour, Stephen Holder. We bail 30 minutes early today, too, because of Colts Roundtable. That's Joe Wrights, Rick Venturi, and Matt Taylor. And by the way, I know Rick's going to bring this up because he brought it up to me yesterday and then mentioned it at the end of the game yesterday regarding the Kenny Moore usage. If you heard it yesterday, you know what I'm talking about. If you didn't, I'll bring it up to you next. The Ride with JMV. Oh, wait just a minute. Did anybody f- knock anymore? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Foo Fighters on SNL. Fantastic on Saturday night, by the way. So was the JMV Takeover Halloween party. Hope you enjoyed that, too. 
Locations Thursday and Friday will remind you where we're going to be and why you should be there coming up. Stephen Holder of ESPN, 5 o'clock hour. My man, Music Mac, is on board here. Hello, Mac. How you doing today, John? Mac, I am outstanding. I appreciate you always asking, though, man. It was great seeing you the other day, too. You're going to see me again on Friday at GG's. I'm going to be ready to rock on Friday at GG's. What you got, buddy? I got to agree with you 100%, man. I just love the energy that TJ McConnell brings to love the it. floor when he plays for the Pacers. He's just he's, he's awesome. Yes, and, I agree. And I, and I love the chemistry with everybody. And, and, you know, if the rookie doesn't get on the floor right away, there's nothing wrong with that because we have players that are able to carry the team now, and, and we can compete with other teams like we haven't been able to in the past. So, I mean, it's a win-win situation. I like it, too. Hey, Mac, I'll see you on Friday, too, right? Yes, you will. All right, Mac, thank you very much. Gigi's on Friday. I mentioned last week that it was going to come quick. The recognition that you get from watching T.J. McConnell and why he needs to be a part of this team. And you saw it in game number two on Saturday in Cleveland. Bulls Pacers tonight, 6.30 pregame show that follows Colts Roundtable coming up at 5.30. Stephen Holder of ESPN's next. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com. And talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The Ride with JMV. Son, you got a panty on your head. You drive fast, eh? 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Both Pacers coming up at 6.30. Colts Roundtable with Rick Venturi. Matt Taylor and Joe Wright's bottom of the hour. Hurry up and get here. If you're on hold, I'll get to you as well. Halloween re-entry music coming up tomorrow. Therefore, it's Halloween, even though I think it's going to snow a little bit. Speaking of snow, how about Kansas City and their effort in Denver yesterday, everybody? Wow. And the Monday Nighter coming up later on tonight. The Sunday Nighter was a snooze fest. For real. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN.com, Stephen Holder joins us. So, I, I, much like I'm assuming a lot of fans, I want to see this team do some things positively and go back to back to back. Um, They rarely, if ever, do that, especially recently. However, when you get it in spurts like you did in Baltimore, like you did at home about three weeks ago against Tennessee, that gives you a bit of a false sense of who this team is. And I think we now know at 3-5 and that this team is nothing more than really what we thought it was going to be, most of us, before the start of the season. You agree? Uh, I, I think they're better than we thought they were going to be. Um, it just the, the problem is they've had some some shortfalls that maybe we didn't expect, if that makes sense. So, for example, like, I didn't expect them to have the kind of offensive production they've had. And I didn't expect Gardner Minshew to be any good. And, and I don't think he has been good. I think he has been okay in spots. But certainly the, the turnovers are not okay. And then yesterday he didn't have the turnovers, but 
he, he was much less aggressive. If you look at his yards per attempt, he was down, I think, to like five and a half yards per attempt after last week when he got aggressive and he had a career high, but he had the turnovers. So it's kind of like <laughs> you got to pick your poison, I guess. Do you want conservative Gardner or do you want, you know, sort of uh, leave it all on the field Gardner who turns the ball over? You know, but anyhow, to your question, I, I don't think they're a terrible team. I just think they have a couple of issues they just can't overcome or no team can overcome. You can't overcome uh, turnovers for the most part. And it's really hard to overcome uh, the kind of talent disparity we're seeing right now at cornerback. And I get that that's of their, a problem of their own making to some degree. I'm just, I'm just calling it what it is, you know. Uh, it's just really hard to overcome that. I, I think the core of the team is fine. And with the starting quarterback in the fold, they'd be, you know, a pretty competitive team um, and much better than, than we predicted them to be. But they're not that team right now. And um, their, their weaknesses right now are killing them. Stephen Holder joins us. I think it's also been hard to overcome some coaching mistakes. And believe me, I like Shane Steichen a great deal. I think yeah. he's going to be really good. But that does not dismiss the fact that he has made some profound mistakes as a first-year head coach. Those are also situations this team cannot overcome. Yeah, so here's my take on Shane. I, I'm with you. I think that he overall, look, he gets it, and he has gotten some guys to, to play at a higher level than, than maybe we have seen in the past. All that's attributable to him or in his staff or whatever you want to say. Uh, so he gets credit for that. But I do think, like you said, I think the, the shortfall for Shane Steichen has been situational. So I think you go back to the Browns game, and we talked about this last week. I didn't like the field goal, the 60-yard field goal attempt. I didn't like getting aggressive and throwing out of your own end zone with a guy who'd done nothing but turn the ball over in the last few weeks. Talking about Gardner Minshew. And then – I thought that on Sunday, we kind of grilled him on this today on, in his availability. We kind of grilled him on this today, and he didn't really agree, but I, I thought that he got a little too pass-heavy at times. I get it that, that it was not necessarily you know, what it looked like on paper. Looking at the numbers, they ran it six times in the second half, one carry for Jonathan Taylor. And, and I understand they had some long down and distance situations. And so you can explain some of it. I get that. I do get that. But the best he could do today was say, well, I don't know. There might have been a chance for a few more runs, but, you know, that's about all. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, in retrospect, we really went away from our best player there, which is what I thought it was. You know, the, with the no, that's exactly what it was. You were right. And so was everybody yeah. else, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, I wanted a little more retrospect, re- retrospectiveness. Is that a word? I don't know. Anyway, I, I, introspection, I guess, is the word. I wanted a little more from Shane Steichen on that particular point, but he did not seem to maybe agree, and I was a little frustrated by that. But I, but I would say I agree with you. A good coach overall, but I think he's still learning some things. Uh, I think some of these times where he, um, you know, kind of does these these sort of uh, timeout situations where he, you know, tries to draw a team off sides. I mean, I get that it, conceptually. I understand that. I think there have been some some instances where he's outsmarted himself as well. That's that's exactly how I put it. 
I, that's yeah. exactly how I put it. Like, buddy, you're trying too hard. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's like we don't have to do that every damn time, okay? Like, just line up and kick the ball, man. You know, at times I think it's okay, but when you do it every time, like, you've lost the element of surprise completely. No one expects you to snap the ball at this point. You know, so I don't know, man. It doesn't. None of that is, like, fireable. It's not a big deal in the grand scheme, but it, you're, they're playing close games. They are generally playing close games. They've been in one-score games for the most part, and those things are going to matter a lot. That's just what it is. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I just don't know a lot of other coaches around the NFL or coordinators, for that matter, that would unplug their most dynamic, their most talented, their best, their biggest threat for the period of time as what we witnessed yesterday. And I know that once you got into the fourth and they were kind of chasing the tail a little bit and they had to throw it or felt the need to throw it, but in the third quarter, they went away from it. They they broke off. Zach Moss did a 41-yard run, and then the next play, that's when Minshew decided to veer to his right and throw up a wounded duck that got intercepted. I mean, I, I know yeah. that's his decision-making, but to me – Jonathan Taylor, you brought him back, you extended him, he's your most dynamic player, and to have 28 standing over there a lot on the sideline seems absolutely ridiculous to me. Look, here's the deal. You paid a guy $42 million, and he did not touch the ball for the final, I think, 27 minutes of a football game. I don't understand that. You cannot make that make sense to me. I get it. That, that it was not – I get that it's situational. And, and you can explain it away if you try. It, you can at least put a, a happier face on it. I get that. If you go kind of like series by series, well, this happened, and then that happened, and then this happened. I understand that. I was at the game. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, just put it in black and white. Jonathan Taylor is their most explosive player. He did not touch the ball for the final 26-plus minutes. I don't know what to tell you. That happened. That's what they did. And that was a direct decision made by Shane Steichen. If any other coach around the NFL, winning or losing, did that to their most dynamic player, what the hell do you think would happen the next day? <laughs> they'd be calling, the, you're, they'd be calling their, their, their local radio show, yeah. Raising Hell. Yeah. <laughs> and and I completely understand it. And, and there's, there's common yeah. ground, Stephen, to be had. I mean, we can like and believe mm-hmm. in Shane Steichen for the future, but also understand that he fouled up by those measures yesterday. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't, I don't want to bring up Frank Reich, although we, we got, I guess we got to talk about Frank. No, the ultimate embarrassment's on the way next week if you're not careful too. Ooh, ooh, I don't want to. I'm not going there yet. Let's see how it goes. But, but I, I hear you. Uh, so here, here's what I'd say though. Um, at times over the last five years, they had some instances where the quarterback situation was not ideal. And I'll say this for Frank: he just said, "All right, we are going back to the bread and butter." And we're going to run the damn ball. And I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that's that's necessarily the 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 primary way to win football games in 2023. I get it. Like I'm not I'm not an idiot. All I'm saying is, you got to work with what you got. And you have a very fallible quarterback right now. You have a quarterback who is very imperfect. And you, it, the more you ask him to do, the more he's going to get your ass in trouble. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying. Like that is. Every time Gardner Minshew makes a mistake, it's 
to some degree on Shane Steichen to, to a degree. You know what I mean? Because he has asked him to throw the ball a lot the last few weeks. Now, I understand a lot of that. Some of that was deficit. Some of that was situation. Some of that was predicated by the defense, including yesterday to some extent. But I understand all of that. But I'm just saying in the grander scheme, you know what you're working with at quarterback. I mean, you can go back to like 2019 here. We had Jacoby Brissett under quarterback, under center. Jacoby is a, a good quarterback in certain situations, but the optimum situation for him was to not ask him to do too much. And they didn't. They said, we're going to run the hell out of this ball. And they did that successfully. And so, anyway, I just think that's another example. Same thing with Wentz in, in 2021. This, this feels like that. It feels like a situation where that's what you need to do. And, and I'll just end by saying this. Look, I understand the primary reason they, they lost that game is because they gave up, what, like 350-yard passes to well, one And guy. 500 yards in total offense, yeah. Okay. Like, I understand that was there. I get it. But I also am saying it, it all matters. Okay, all of it matters, and and that was somewhat, somewhat um, more difficult to deal with because the personnel is the personnel. You know what I'm saying? Like that is what it is. That's baked into the cake. So I, I blame the coaches a little less on that, but in terms of not giving the ball to your best player, that's something you can control. Hey, it would be so easy, Stephen, to come on here and just rail on Tony Brown, and I've not done that because he is just a symptom of the issue yeah, that well. we all knew was coming yeah. in the offseason. You all knew that was coming. We all did. We all talked about it. And then it's also a part of a greater symptom, which is this defense. And you have a lot of higher dollar, higher draft selection guys up front that are not doing jack squats. And how can you, obviously, if you can't defend at the back end, you got to do something at the front end. And they, they, I mean, it's just yesterday was a struggle. So I put more blame there than I do anywhere near, even as, as beaten down as he was yesterday in a nightmare situation that Tony Brown had. I still look up front with that defense and then i also look at times at gus bradley yeah yeah no i, I all of that is fair i i would say and i i tweeted um the video the the all 22 video of all the, the big plays from shaheed yeah so you go on my twitter you can just scroll down and they're all in one thread anyway the reason i bring that up is because i want everyone to look at it and when you're when you do you can also you can obviously see the coverage breakdown, and you'll you'll see that very obviously. But I want I want you to also pay attention to the pocket, okay? The the passer's pocket, the quarterback's pocket, is pristine, okay? Pristine, and that is not going to win you many games. I mean, say what you want about Derek Carr, but if you give him a, a wide receiver who has three steps on a guy and a clean pocket, he's going to beat you. I mean, Derek Carr is not some idiot. He, he's a veteran quarterback who's won a lot of games, man. And, and he, any quarterback worth his salt was going to go up there and, and be able to make those plays because they were there. And it, you had to screw it up, frankly. So that's what they did. And, and I would say a couple of things happened here. Now, the, the run game, there were some plays made there as well. They're missing Grover Stewart, and that has really hurt them. I, I think you can see that. And I, I knew – I always wondered whether their, their edge rush early in the season, was it a product of them going against uh, backup offensive tackles? You know, because they were having some success early on. So I wondered how much of that was a, 
a product of the Colts facing some, some backup offensive tackles and how much of it was, this is who they are. And I think it's been a lot more hit and miss recently, which suggests that maybe the, the backup offensive tackles had a lot to do with it. And you've got to get some, some, some consistent pass rush on these quarterbacks. I mean, I don't care if it's Derek Carr. I don't care if it's Bryce Young. Give him a, a pretty pocket, and guys are going to make plays. I mean, this is the NFL, man. Come on. So, Stephen, should Jonathan Taylor had said after the game yesterday, you know, maybe they just didn't have me in the second half plans like 11 did the week prior because clearly they were making up for that early and often yesterday. It kind of felt like it. It was hard not to uh, not, not to come to that conclusion. That was interesting. Um, would have been nice if they were for more yards, but, yeah, it did feel that way. <laughs> yeah, here's your five targets, okay, buddy? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, listen – I think ultimately Jonathan Taylor got what he wanted, <laughs> which is 42 million. So maybe, maybe he's got a little bit of a, uh, maybe he's got to shut it down for a little bit from the complaint department. But right. yeah, I, I, I do. I did think it was just, I don't know. didn't make a lot of sense to me. I'm with you. All right. Any uh, trade deadline, maybe moves, uh, anybody out there that you think may get interest from somebody else, be interesting enough for the Colts to make some sort of deal? Okay. I think if they would have feared better in the last three games, I would give you a different answer. I think right now, sitting at three and five, granted, their schedule on the back end is kind of a joke. But, I mean, they're, they're a team that has a lot to, that doesn't have a lot to work with right now. I don't know how much they're going to go out there and, and go on a big run here. I mean, they could, but I mean, even if they were to do that, let's say some miracle happens and this team gets in the playoffs. I mean, are they winning a playoff game? Right? So what I'm saying is I'm going back now to given the quarterback situation and, and given the ups and downs we're seeing on defense, I go back to where we were going into the season, which was, all right, this season is about figuring out who you are and, and figuring out the way forward. So, you know, it's, it's about 2024 in my mind. I'm not saying that I'm writing off the rest of the season. Uh, they, they still have some talent. They still have a lot of high-paid players who should be going out there and competing. So, I mean, I expect them to win some games. But I, I think they're still kind of a mediocre kind of team at best right now. If you have that team, you know, how aggressive would you bother to be at the trade deadline? You know, because what's it going to net you is what I say. And, and honestly, I, I think you need to be retaining your draft picks to go put some guys around uh, Anthony Richardson going forward. Well, is, is there anybody out there that, that you pull the plug on because you're three and five uh, yeah. and because you look like you're going nowhere fast? That was more the angle that I was uh, gotcha, thinking gotcha. of too. Gotcha. Yeah. More. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, yeah. Not going out and trying to improve the team, but taking away pieces be, because you basically know this thing's over. Okay. Fair question. Um, I, I do agree that their posture with three losses in a row, it probably changes your posture a little bit. I, I just think that, they don't real, they're not in position to sell a whole lot right now, though, because uh, a lot of their, the players who are of interest or might be of interest, I mean, they're, they're either making a lot of money, uh, either that or they're, they're not players they're, they're willing to part with, or, you know, or, or they just, there isn't much to be gained by dealing with them. I, I don't know. I just don't see any obvious candidates. I mean, if somebody came to you and said, this is a terrible example because he's a corner, but 
and they need corners. But if somebody came to you and said, um, we'll give you a, a nice pick for, for Kenny Moore, that's not going to happen, I don't believe. But if someone said that, I mean, you'd have to listen because he's in a contract year. And, uh, you know, look, I mean, he, he's a position that is uh, a, prime, a premier position, corner. I think he's having a good year. I know people may have mixed feelings on that. I think Kenny Moore has, has played pretty well this year, frankly. So, I mean, he's a guy who would have some value, perhaps. And and also, I don't know what their plans are for him in the long term. I, I have no idea. This is not a prediction. I have zero idea. I'm just saying, are they going to resign Kenny Moore? Like, what's, what is that? What's their intention there? I have no idea. So, you know, that's that's just one guy off the very, very top of my head. But I don't think there's a lot of obvious candidates uh, for them to sell right now. Stephen Holder's with us. Do you buy the explanation last week of Kenny's too valuable to keep in the nickel and not moving him outside because of, of how he plays and that's that's something you expect? Or would you be one to test that on the outside and believe? I, I know this is all desperation, but so yeah. so was that situation and so is this team. Because couldn't you realistically put somebody at the nickel that could be a, a much less of a talent and maybe Kenny can do more than what we witnessed yesterday? I mean, why would well, that be not more feasible than it was? Yeah, you you mentioned desperate scenario. Well, I mean, no offense, but I mean they look pretty desperate chasing Shahid to the end zone. You know what I mean? So I agree that I I think here's one scenario. I have no idea if this is a great idea, but it's an idea. Uh, you could move Kenny outside. Kenny is is definitely capable of playing out there. I mean, would you not have wanted him matched up on the edge with Shahid on those couple of plays, right? So. So take that, for example, move him to the outside. The other option to fill Kenny Moore's role in the slot or one option could be just theoretically Julian Blackman could do it. Now, I don't know if he's as up to speed on, on playing that position from a, from a scheme standpoint, but certainly from a, from a um, ability perspective, Julian Blackman could do that. He played corner in college. Uh, he he basically is is kind of playing that role to some degree anyway because he's taking on tight ends and doing that anyway. So I, I know he's a safety, but he could do that. And then you got Nick Cross, who they say they want to get on the field. Well, then he fills he backfills uh, Julian Blackman at strong safety. I mean, that's how you do it. If you want another option, that's an option. And that way, I like those three guys on the field. You're getting three good players on the field, albeit in different roles. I know it impacts those those roles negatively because anytime you move a player, it's a little bit of a downgrade from his original position. I get that. That is true. But overall, you have more talent on the field under that scenario. So that's what I would say. That that would be my suggestion to at least talk about doing. Stephen Holder of ESPN.com is with us. So let me make sure we get this right. Next week, they travel to Charlotte, North Carolina to take on a one-win team that won for the first time this past weekend against Houston and take on the guy that this time last year they fired. Um, If they go there and lose, where would that rank as disgusting, embarrassing losses? I thought about this. Well, first of all, look, I I am not about to make a prediction that Carolina is going to win this game. (laughs) Excuse me. But I'll I'll say this. I mean – 
there's no one better than Frank Reich to get the get his offense ready to play this defense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if anybody knows how to beat this defense, it'd be it'd be Frank Reich. So we'll see how that goes. But it, it would not be great because the owner would not take kindly to it. <laughs> and it I comes to mind. You know what comes to mind is, I think a couple of years ago, you might recall uh, they get swept by Tennessee. And remember, Jamerse told us later on how he called the whole staff together and he just ripped them a new one and told them, these guys are emasculating you. Have some pride. I mean, I'm, I'm actually quoting him. Like, he said that. Uh, <laughs> and I, I was like, I remember sitting in the room with him, and I think it was in Palm Beach at the owners' meetings. And I remember sitting there and, and hearing Jamerse say this, and I'm like, Man, I didn't know he was that. Did bad. he say emasculating? Uh, I'm gonna have to go back and check the the transcript. It, it, he either did use that word or he used a variation of it. But I walked away thinking, man, he he just basically said that you guys have no manhood here. <laughs> I mean, that's what he said, you know. So anyhow, I mean, we all wrote about it, myself, Kiefer, et cetera. But anyhow, the reason I bring that up is because I, I think. He, he definitely had, he being Jamersa, he had this like, you know, just this, this craw in his, this, this, something stuck in his craw about losing to Tennessee. I got to feel like this would be on par with that, you know? You know, because like he, he really felt like he did the right thing in firing Frank Reich, and it's fine. I mean, obviously something had to change. They weren't doing well. But I mean, he, he definitely didn't like the, the backlash of, of bringing in Jeff Saturday. And, and you remember the win in Las Vegas, uh, you know, Jim Mercy yeah. you know, took a victory lap after that. And he, you know, wanted to, to kind of basically say yep. I was right. And yeah. so now to go lose to Frank Reich with that being the backdrop, I got to think he'd be very pissed off. Hey, what would be worse losing Sunday to Frank Reich or having Will Levis throw multi touchdowns against you in Nashville in December? Ooh man, that's oof. this is where we are. This is what we're left with right here, Stephen. Yeah, I yeah. mean, right? I mean, <laughs> just talk about talk about bad bad choices. Yes, uh, <laughs> I would say this for Levis. Like, I don't know. I I would say this though. I mean, if if they hit on Levis, if he turns out to be a hit, then good for Tennessee because I'm be honest with you. I mean, they were about to go into a no man's land here. Okay, because it might be over for well, I don't know about over, but but certainly Henry's run is coming to an end. You know, whether it's now or next year, whatever. Like he's not their future. You know, uh, they they already traded Kevin Bayard, which kind of tells me they're maybe thinking about the future. And so I don't know. They, they were kind of getting ready to potentially head toward a, a teardown here, and and they may still. But if they got the quarterback right, and, and we don't know yet, okay, it's early. We do not know. But I like what I saw. I mean, he made some good throws, man. Give him credit. This would be very Tennessee of him, wouldn't it, to be 3-4 and four right now and to pick themselves up off the mat in a fashion yeah. in which nobody thought, and that will further Jim Ursay's being pissed off and using words like emasculating maybe because <laughs> of the jealousy he would have for Mike Vrabel putting this product together. So. Yeah, look, Mike, Mike Vrabel is a good coach, and and you know who's one of his biggest fans is Jim Mercer. No doubt. Talks about him all the time. I, I, I don't know if, 
Like if Jim, if if Mike Vrabel would have been out there last year, this is a stupid hypothetical. I don't know why I'm even going there, but like if had Mike Vrabel been out there last year, <laughs> would Jim Irsay have just like taken over the coaching search and said, <laughs> "Nope, we got our guy." Like, I don't know. He might have. Well, either either that, that or if Jeff Vrabel. Saturday would have won like two more games, maybe even one more game, that would have happened. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, my buddy. Hey, I'm going to run you. I appreciate you more than you know. And uh, safe travels to Charlotte next week. And hopefully we have better things to talk about on Monday of next week. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Stephen Holder of ESPN on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Winchuler Spreadable Cheeses, the official sponsor inside the lounge via YouTube Live. And uh, the spreadability is taking shape around central Indiana. Kroger and Meyer locations. Win Schuler Spreadable Cheeses. James, great job out of you. Uh, we're off 30 minutes early. If you're on hold, call me tomorrow. We'll get you immediately on. Colts Roundtable is next, followed by Bulls Pacers right here on your place for sports conversation, especially in the afternoon. It's 93.5107.5 The Fan. Have a great night.